on today's show we revisit the last two games and try and figure out what the heck happened speaking of trying to figure things out head coach steve clifford with some interesting comments about what he's trying to figure out with this hornets second unit we talk more hornets before 9 a.m than most people do all day you are locked on hornets you are locked on locked on locked on hornets your daily charlotte hornets podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team Every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day. Whenever you need it, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Frame Warehouse. Visit framewarehouse.net to get the guaranteed best price on your next framing project. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. David, did you stay up last night? Um, I stayed up for some of it, Doug. I stayed up for enough of it. I'll say that. <laughs> we will. We will leave it at that. Uh, no, I would say it's pretty much the same here. Uh, obviously, I had to catch uh, the Trailblazers game after the fact the next day, uh-huh. but uh, I did stay up for most of the Warriors game and then caught the rest. This morning, so we are ready to talk about these two back-to-back losses for the Charlotte Hornets and what it means for this team moving forward. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NFL, NBA, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. Okay, let's start with uh, this Trailblazers game. David, it was an opportunity for the Hornets to get a win against a team that they had proven uh, that they could not only beat, but uh, they had a pretty good handle on Portland when the Trailblazers visited Charlotte. Not so much in Portland. Uh, the Hornets lose 115-98. to uh, The Trailblazers score 44 points inside the paint. Their lead grew to as much as 24. Damian Lillard, 10 of 18 from the field, leading the way with 27 points. C.J. McCollum added 18. On the Hornets side, Kimball Walker, 8 of 18 from the floor, three three-pointers, 22 points, uh, four three-pointers for Nick Batum as well, who was 50% from the field, 18 points. David, another game here in Portland where Kimball Walker shoots the ball well, Nick Batum shoots the ball well, and the Hornets lose. Yeah, I really gave it away there in the third quarter too, Doug. Um, just getting beat by the Blazers on that front. I mean, stay with them in the first half. Maybe a five-point game and a half, I think. So we're competitive. But to be honest with you, I didn't feel a whole lot of energy coming out of the Hornets, certainly once they got down. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm mismatching these two games together too much because last night was just a disaster. Um, they look like a defeated team right now. But if we're just talking about that Blazers game, there were chances. I mean, that's, you know. Uh, there are chances that for them to make a game of it, to stay in the game, and we've seen that over the last week or so, and there's just not any taking advantage of it. I'm, I'm a little worried now that Nick Batum is, is starting to come around, Doug, um, <laughs> but it's not resulting in any wins. Yeah, it's it's tough because the Hornets right now, it doesn't seem like they can put offense and defense on the floor at the same time. I mean, you look at the beginning of that game, and it seemed like, 
Both teams uh, were missing shots. They, they were both defending each other pretty well, starters going at each other. Uh, and then they broke the lineups, and at the end of that uh, first quarter, the Trailblazers go on a 7 to nothing run. Damian Lillard really took advantage of the Hornets at the end of that first quarter, and we're seeing that more and more. You mentioned something on the live show about other teams using their superstar players to really go after the Hornets, and it's happening in, in my mind, at the end of first quarters and then in the fourth quarter, we've chronicled uh, the fourth quarter defensive issues for this team. Steve Clifford has gone over it many times and uh, really harped on it at the end of games. But also ending the first quarter, I think, is where you've seen um, – the Cavaliers attack the Hornets with LeBron James. Uh, John Wall stayed out for the whole first quarter. Damian Lillard in the first quarter in this one really attacked Ramon Sessions and the rest of this defense. So teams obviously see something that when the Hornets break their lineup for the first time, it's it's a point of attack, and they did so. 7 to nothing run at the end of the first quarter, and then coming out into the second quarter, a 9-1 to run for uh, the Blazers, and that really set the tone for the rest of the game. Yeah, and those points in the paint you mentioned, I mean, 44 to 22 for the Hornets, just nothing easy, right? I mean, the Hornets are, are shooting a lot of threes. Oddly enough, Marco Bellinelli, no three-pointers uh, taken in this Hornets game. When's the last time that happened? Um, and, you know, the Blazers were getting – everyone was getting inside. Vonley was getting inside. Crabs getting inside. And they got a big night from Alan Crabb off the bench um, and the Hornets bench, you know, did not really respond in kind, which has kind of become the theme lately. But – um, you know, like we said, it's they're a different team at home. They've got talented players, and the Hornets can stay with them for a half, but just could not, you know, come back and make a game of it. Well, the other big number: eleven offensive rebounds for the Portland Trailblazers. And one of our keys to the game was that the Trailblazers uh, gave up a lot of offensive rebounds, and you could get second chance points. The Hornets only able to get two second chance points in this game, uh, nine for the Trailblazers, but really just those extra possessions. I think Jeez. just again extra possessions they can they can lead to points or they cannot lead to points, but ultimately it deflates your team. It, it uh, causes them to have to play defense a little more than they want to, and uh, ultimately it takes your team out of rhythm. I mean, you want to you want to get that rebound and get it moving back towards your basket and uh, you know score early offense. Hornets not able to do that. Really got dominated on the boards in this one, 51-42. And this is not the kind of team that can get beat on the boards and, and still win ball games. That's just yeah. um, that's not how this team is built. Uh, you 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 know you're going you're going to get rebounding from Marvin Williams, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, Nick Batum added eight in this one. Roy Hibbert added seven, but um, you know again that that bench unit uh, not providing much much rebounding at all. Frank Kaminsky only uh, has one rebound in this one. He did have seven rebounds oh against God. the Warriors. Um, but again, it's consistency. It's what it's what we're seeing. Okay, second, we got to talk about the second unit defense because uh, Steve Clifford talked about it after the game. Said they got absolutely crushed uh, on the second unit, and and he had some very interesting comments regarding uh, how this bench unit is evolving. Uh, let's go to that. What didn't work, obviously, which I gave up a while ago, is just having a second unit. You know that's not working at all you know our our starters have the six best plus minus in the nba so uh and then actually the four guys with roy are pretty good too um except for that you know we haven't been able to find lineups that work effectively and that's the search that's what we got to find hey 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 no offense roy 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and actually, they're they're not horrible with Roy, so that's good. Well, yeah, I mean, look, you know, Roy is uh, really he's, he's I mean, laboring. He's doing he's doing the honestly he's doing the best he can. I, honestly, I mean, really, that's it. I, I think physically, he's not in the place anymore where he can give you a ton of minutes and be the factor that the Hornets hoped he could be. That's why they signed yeah. him to a one year contract because, you know, frankly, the risk was always there. And you know, the well, that's the question, David. He he did say that it's on him that he's got to figure out. Clifford's got to figure out the right. Uh, combination, the the right uh, uh, mix of players in this rotation, but we're pretty far into the season. Uh, injuries have been a little bit of a factor, but the team has been relatively healthy, especially those those yeah. major pieces. Uh, I, I don't know if I mean I, I think it's great that Clifford takes that personal responsibility. That's fine, but I don't. <laughs> What's he gonna do? <laughs> but uh, yeah, you look at the rotations. I mean, he's moved Michael Kidd Gilchrist around. Sometimes he plays Kemba. at the end of first quarter. Sometimes he plays in the fourth quarter. Sometimes he doesn't. Marvin Williams. Sometimes he starts in the second quarter. Sometimes he doesn't. He's obviously filtering more starters in with the bench. Yeah. Sometimes that works. Sometimes that doesn't. It's it's. It's mysterious. It's frustrating, and I think, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I think ultimately this may be a little bit of an indictment of what happened in the off season in terms of bench construction. Well, yeah, it's just not there. I mean, especially without Lamb, um, who we thought would be, you know, the two guys we talked about were Lamb and Kaminsky. I think coming into the season just because of potential, and it, a lot would fall on them. For that bench unit, right? And there's been no consistency whatsoever from Frank Kaminsky. Um, Lamb has just been, you know, injured. He's been okay when he's been in there, has some good moments. But those two guys have not been consistent enough. Um, Marco Bellinelli has had some nice moments as well, but you were never going to count on him for consistent night-to-night, you know, scoring punch. And that's, you know, what you have is this result. It's the, the bench unit has really fallen off and given them nothing. I think over the last week and a half. And as a result, you know, so much is counted on, on the starters. And you mentioned that you're seeing everybody. I mean, I think I saw Kemba playing in there with the second unit at the time. So he's mixing guys in there, trying to find any little minute or two he can steal with some other guys out on the court to kind of spark this. But I mean, just look at the lineup that we've talked about, Doug, the bench unit, when it's like sessions, Bellinelli and take your pick, you know, whomever MKG or Marvin, and then like Hawes and Frank. I mean, that has just got to be the, the opposing unit. If they're if you had any talent on that second unit, is just salivating seeing that matchup. And I mean, that's just one yeah. example, right? But well, I think you. I think the key word there is moments. They've had nice moments, but they have not had nice games. I think last season the Hornets got nice games out of Al Jefferson. They got nice games out of Jeremy Lin. And, to, and, yeah. and when I say that, I mean they were factors. I think instead this season you've had nice moments from Marco Bellinelli, nice moments. And listen, moments can be great. Uh, in fact, we, you and I had a nice moment uh, before the show uh, on on Tuesday. You gave me a a, a new Hornets <laughs> poster. That was a nice moment. Uh, and, and I'm going to have that poster framed, David. And you know where I'm going to have it framed? I do. Well, tell frame me warehouse. where frame, frame warehouse, warehouse of frame course. Warehouse. If you where, where else? If you have a poster, a jersey, uh, Valentine's Day still coming up, uh, Groundhog's Day. Maybe you celebrate that with a poster of a groundhog. Whatever. Uh, if you've been waiting to get something framed, don't wait anymore. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse. 
Listen, we're proud to partner up with Frame Warehouse because, uh, number one, they're the first local sponsor that has invested in the best Hornets talk anywhere, and they've been family-owned right here in the heart of Charlotte for over 35 years. They have the guaranteed best price on your next framing project. At Frame Warehouse, you can frame almost anything for next to nothing. If you can think of it, you can get it framed, and they'll help you out. Sports memorabilia, posters for your office, maybe your kid's bedroom, jerseys, they can cube up helmets. Look, it's sometimes framing can seem like a daunting task, because there are a ton of different framing options, but or glass, no glass, but but Frame Warehouse has framing experts that will walk you through the entire process. They're going to turn your project around super quick, and they're going to do it for a great price. Don't let your prized possessions go undisplayed. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse at one of their six locations in Charlotte. Go to FrameWarehouse.net to find the one near you and tell them Locked On Horn has told you to drop by. And honestly, you go to FrameWarehouse.net. You're supporting us. You're supporting the best Hornets talk in Charlotte. So uh, please do. All right, back to back to what we were talking about. This um, bench unit struggle. I mean, you look at it, and uh, you know, it's not like it's not like th- this is a, another frustrating part, David. It's not like you can go to look at these players that the Hornets let go, like Al Jefferson or Courtney Lee, Courtney and, Lee and Jeremy Lin, and, and go, "Wow, look at the seasons they're having. They could be having those with the Hornets." I mean, Jefferson's averaging. Uh, anywhere from 13 to 16 minutes with the Pacers. He's had a couple of nice games here and there, but he's you know yep. getting five, six attempts. Uh, percentages look good, but the total production is not something that would have turned the Hornets season around. Uh, Courtney yep. Lee's doing a great job in New York, and obviously he torched the Hornets. That's probably the one player you could look at and go, you know, man, if they had found some way to keep him. The problem is with both – look, Al Jefferson, it was money. With Courtney Lee and Jeremy Lin, it was the uh, uh, option to start. Neither of yeah. – uh, none of those three things were available to give to those particular players. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's more of a, a situation where you look at it and go, could they have found some better options? Uh, but that's tough too because they put themselves in, in some – uh, in some tight financial situations by re-signing so many players. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they knew it was going to be tight, and so did you guys, and so did we, right? I mean, that's why so much depended on that, those two guys on the bench and the rest of that bench unit to kind of maybe surprise us, right? Because we hadn't seen a lot of it last year. So they knew this was going to be the case coming in, that they would depend on Kemba a lot and depend on Nick Batum. I mean, that's the thing that's weird, right, Doug? Like, when they were going strong to start the season, people were trying to figure out why it was happening. And now some of the stuff that wasn't happening then, like I think M- MKG on the whole is playing better. We mentioned Nick Batum has, has bounced back a little bit from his injury. Um, and I know you saw some things from MKG you didn't like the other night, but like I, I still think he's he's gotten better as the season has gone on. And Kemba's been solid the whole way through. Obviously, they're missing Cody, but it's so reliant on those starters that whenever they go out and whenever even one of them is down for a little bit, with an injury, it just affects everything so much. And the margin for error for the Hornets has been small all along. He No, MKG was improving, but I think like the rest of the team has not been able to maintain that consistency. I mean, he had five fouls against Portland and it, it looked like he was a half step late on, on rotations and he was fouling jump shooters. He fouled Clay Thompson uh, last night against the Warriors on a jump shot. Well, at and, least he was close enough to him. 
right? Uh, he was a- he's averaging. Let me see if I can pull this up. Yeah, he's averaging in January three point one personal fouls versus one point three in December, and um, you know still having issues. He did improve probably late January, but uh, he's now returned to having those issues finishing at the rim. Uh, he was 4 of 11 last uh, last night, 1 of 5 from the field against Portland. And again, you see him uh, taking really tough shots, baseline uh, fadeaway jump shots. I mean, those aren't the kind of shots you want to see MKG take and then not being able to finish out around the rim. It's it's um, it's just been a struggle. Uh, there there are a lot of holes on this team right now, and uh, not a ton of solutions. As uh, Steve Clifford is definitely searching for something that's going to give them a spark. I mean, you look at the Wizards, and they made a tiny little adjustment where they got Kelly Oubre playing with the starters a little bit more, and it's turned their season completely around. But I just look at this bench unit and I go, yeah. I don't I don't know what th- there is left to try other than. You know, and I see a lot of people asking on Twitter, you know, should they give Christian Wood, who got a little run last night, should they give him some more time? But I don't, I mean, you know, that's a guy that you have to, you have to basically tell him where to be on the court. I mean, you have to, it's, he's not, he's just not at that, he's, he can get there, but he's just not at that basketball IQ level yet where, uh, you you can you can just leave them out there with with other young guys and expect them to be okay. So I don't think that's the answer either. Um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's, I get it. I understand. I understand it because I think everyone out there is looking for some sort of solution, right? And you're like, at this point, why not try anything? But that's so such an indictment on where this season is right now that we're saying, hey, we might as well give Christian Wood a guy who literally has played five minutes. Uh, some time on the court. I mean, I like him. We both like him. We enjoy his NBA D-League highlights, but um, that's not good. That's not a good situation if they're looking for that as a solution, right? And look, Doug, I mean, what? Is this seven games in a row giving up 100 points? And that's not Hornets. I mean, that's not how the Hornets went. Um, I mean, you can it's, – it's easy to point to a lot of things, but that's not good for this Hornets team to give up 100 points on a nightly basis. They're going to lose. All right, let's move on to this Golden State Warriors game. Not a ton to talk about mm. here. I mean, first <laughs> first three minutes. <laughs> calm, oh, my God. Calm, calm, we have another. Calm down, another David. One. Pull over. So are you driving oh, right God. now? Pull over. Uh, oh, first God. three minutes, Golden State goes five of six uh, from beyond the arc. They were up 20 points midway through the first quarter. This one got out of hand uh, pretty quickly. And, and honestly, I mean, yes, there were defensive mistakes. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Hornets, they were allowing easy offensive rebounds, and they made – uh, some mistakes getting back that the Warriors. Th- th- listen, Golden State's one of the best. They're if yeah, not the I mean, best, second best team in the league, and, and they take those mistakes and they turn them into three point shots. That is what they do. They are a factory uh, of three point shots on mistakes. Twenty one second chance points for the Golden State Warriors. Thirty eight fast break points, and the Hornets uh, continue to not shoot the ball well from beyond the arc. So when they got down, that's uh, that's another theme of this season. Geez. When the Hornets get down. They have trouble making, you know, they say, well, 16, 20 points in the NBA when you've got a quarter and a half to play, that's nothing. Teams can come back. Well, if you have high-powered offense, yes, you can come back. Uh, The Hornets have not shown that ability this season. So a tough game, but Golden State, I mean, they, you know, Clay and Steph, when they're in that zone, they could have done that to the Hornets when they played them in Charlotte. Could have easily turned into that same game. Clay and Steph were both missing shots. They didn't miss them in this one. Didn't even need Kevin Durant, and they won the game. 
Yeah, it's the difference between on the road, East Coast trip, right? Um, end of the road, yeah, being, it was the end of the road trip for Golden State. Yeah, yeah, being at home. And they're awesome. Yeah, I mean, they're ridiculous. You mentioned the mistakes by the Hornets. They were fant- The Warriors were fantastic on offense, obviously, but their defense was smothering. I mean, Kemba just looked way out of sorts. I mean, they're going to pounce on any weakness that Clay, you have on Clay offense. on MKG. When MKG tried to drive, what Clay did to him was it was unfair. And people think, oh, Clay, he's, he's only he's only a corner jump shooter. I think that there's a perception from people who aren't on the West Coast and don't watch a lot of Warriors games that Clay he's, just sits in the corner and hits up. Oh my God! Yeah, I that's mean, all he has to do. That's all he has to do on that team. But he can, yeah, you're right. He, he can go. He can play both ends of the floor. And honestly, that's an and that was an issue that I pointed to after that series loss to Miami last season. How many times on this show, David, did I say the Hornets are going to be in trouble as long as they don't? have these two-way players these Mm. players that are it's not about being clay thompson it's not about being amazing on defense and amazing on offense it's about being competent on defense and competent on offense because if you are uh, lacking tremendously in one of those sides of the floor you get what's happening right now with the charlotte hornets where clifford goes okay i can play this guy this guy this guy oh but wait or if I do, oh, well, maybe I can play this guy, this guy, this guy. Oh, wait. Yeah. That's what's happening right now. And, you know, as much as I just said that MKG has improved, and I do think he has played much better, and he's shown a lot more confidence in his offensive game, that should still be so far down the list of options for the Hornets on offense. And and don't you feel like he's too much is going – it's odd to say too much is going through MKG on offense right now, but he's getting a lot of looks. He's going to get looks. I mean, that, that's always going to be there. But – you know, we the, this offense should not be in that sort of situation. I don't think where MKG is taking so many of these, especially jumpers. Right, he should be scoring off these dunks and layups and cuts. Which, to his credit, he has uh, been finishing better. But I mean, that's that's a bad sign for this offense. Which, as well. but but um, those opportunities aren't there when you're not playing defense. Well, the Hornets have much, had to sure. set up more half court offense than mm-hmm. transition offense, and you know, Michael Kidd Gilchrist can score easier in transition offense. Uh, Marvin, let's talk about some high points, though, in this Golden State game, because there were a few. Marvin Williams. Del Curry. Sick, well, Del Curry from deep. I'll talk, yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about the real ones, the ones that actually okay. happen in a game, okay. and then we'll, we will talk about that, though. Six of 13 from the field for Marvin Williams. Uh, did knock down two three-pointers, 14 points, five rebounds. So you like to see that. Want to see that on a more consistent basis. Um Frank Kaminsky, 9 of 14 from the field, did hit two threes as well. 24 points, but more importantly, seven rebounds, two assists, two steals. In my mind, David, that's the Kaminsky line, if he wants to be like a, a relevant role player uh, on on this team, it's got to be what, like, uh, I'm going to say 13 mm-hmm. to 15 points, uh four to six rebounds, a couple of assists, and then one steal, one block, you know, in in that range, making a couple of of difference-making plays in in that area. Not because he's not going to be an amazing defender, but he can make some – he can can make some plays in there that can, can, you know, get the Hornets in transition one or two times a game. That could be the line, right? 
Because I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think if, the points. Yeah, I think the points is the big is the main thing. Clearly for me, I mean, you want to see the rebounds and other stuff too. But for Frank, that 14, 15 point, if he could do that on a nightly basis, I mean, that would be a legitimate contribution. And Steve Clifford seems to think that. It's heading in that direction. He commented on it after the game, said Frank is getting more aggressive, seems more confident, is playing better as we go on later in the season. So look, if this season does uh, uh, you know, turn into looking towards next season, then that's one of the things you're going to have to look for. Is Frank Kaminsky making that improvement, getting more confident, putting himself in a position to be a difference maker next season? Because next season is going to be the season for him. You know, it's going oh, to be sure. it's going to be the season where you go, OK, is this guy uh, does this guy have a future uh, with this franchise? So interesting to watch there. Kimball Walker, one of five from the field, seven points, just really it just kind of shut it down and not shut it down. But I mean, you know, it, it just wasn't happening. Well, they, for took Kimba. Him, I mean, they took him out of yeah, the game. They took him out of the game, completely out of the game, which good teams will do and which excellent defensive teams, which they are, will do so. Yeah, you know, this one, you can, I mean, we could break it down all day, Doug, and I could, we could go down the stat line, but I mean, it was just, it was just a beat down. It was, it was over literally within the first eight minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I mean, Steph and Clay were just ridiculous. And so it was too much. All right, David. It's and, gr- uh, yeah, go ahead. Final thought. I just, on, the, on the flip side, like you cannot play. The Hornets cannot play their normal game against the the tip top game of the Warriors. Like last night, they're trying to run Spencer Hawes on pick and rolls, like diving to the basket, and it's just it's not going to work. You know what I mean? I mean, there's too much length and athleticism even in that small lineup with the Warriors when they're at the top of their game. It's just you know you have to hope. Like they didn't start, they're having an off night, and then you're. Well, yeah, I have to hope the Hornets get Cody Zeller back for this game against the Utah Jazz. Yeah, because the the, look, I mean, honestly, the front court, uh, it is about Cody Zeller and what he brings to the team, but it's also about what's behind him. I mean, the front court obviously has less depth than it did last season, and um, the, the the Hornets are suffering greatly from his absence, both from what he brings on the court and what it means you know, the domino effect that it has on this team, both offensively and defensively. All right, David, it's Groundhog's Day. Let's look ahead in the schedule and see if we're seeing the Hornets shadow six more weeks of L's. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I thought about that. Uh, All right, let me say I have last year's schedule up. That's not what I want to look at. Let's, Let's pull up this year's schedule. If it well, will. I've got good news and bad news. The yeah, bad news, the yeah. good news is the All Star break is coming up. The bad news is they'll be on the road for two freaking weeks after that. Yeah, so that's the problem, right? I mean, you look at the schedule and you say, well, you know, around this time last season, the Hornets picked it up, but that's that's the concern is that they will spend February fifteenth through March fourth on the road games against Toronto, Detroit, who uh, has beaten them a couple times this season, Sacramento, the Clippers. The Lakers and oh Lakers, Phoenix, Denver, uh, February twenty eighth. The, they'll play three teams they can beat: the Lakers, Phoenix, and Denver. The problem is it will be on the end of that West Coast. It will be on the end of that road trip, so it's going to be very tough, um, you know, to get all three of those victories. But they will absolutely need them. But they play uh, Utah on Saturday in Utah, the end of this road trip. They come back home for Brooklyn, Houston, Clippers, and Philadelphia. And honestly, the Hornets sit at 23 and 27 right now, David. They are uh, outpacing themselves in terms of losses now for last season. We can't look to last season anymore and go, well, you know, 
Last season, they were around this. No, no. They were about one game under 500 at this point last season when they started. Now they, it was this point in the season where they really started to pick things up. And mm-hmm. so they're already in a, a bigger hole than last season. And, and I think that's why you're hearing so many, um, so many people calling for a trade at this point because you're getting in that danger zone where you're, you're either going to be in too big of a hole to make the playoffs or yeah. you're going to set yourself in that 8-7 position where you're basically guaranteed a first-round exit. Man, it's, it's almost shocking how fast things have changed here, Doug, to be honest. I mean, you look at that schedule coming up, I mean, that, that could define the season. I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to put too much weight on two weeks, but you mentioned the numbers, and even given all the teams that are, you know, kind of falling along with the Hornets, you got the Bulls right in front of them. Um, but, you know, uh, these other teams are going to be playing too, and you got the Pistons, the Bucks, especially uh, the Bulls and the Pacers all surrounding the Hornets there. Um, it's going to be it's going to be tough. They have to get healthy. I mean, that is the main thing. But I mean, trade wise, Doug. I mean, do you see a trade that's going to significantly impact this season? I mean, at this point, I mean, this bench unit. I guess I mean you could come up with one, but the way they're playing right now, it's just hard to envision one guy coming in and shaking things up that much. Well, we've talked about it a lot on this show, uh, and I'm I'm in the I'm in the big splash category as well. If the if that if that's the goal, if the goal is to um, is still in this season to make waves in the playoffs. It's not. I don't yeah. think it's going to be one small Gary Neal, Mo Williams, Courtney Lee type Courtney of move Lee. that's going to do it. It's got to be a major shakeup uh, because y- you look at uh, just how many issues this team has right now, uh, both offensively and defensively, and it's on different nights. Sometimes they can't score. Sometimes they can't defend. Sometimes they can't do either, um, but it, it's it's a big problem that needs a big solution, I think. Or you you sit back and go, well, we've got a lot of guys resigned, and you know we try to make some different moves in the off season um, uh, in terms of the bench and and give it a go next yep. season. I mean that's they're at that crossroad now, uh, and, and they'll have to make those decisions very soon. All right, real quick before we go, let's talk about that uh, thing that happened pregame against the Warriors, Steph. Uh, Steph messing with his dad a little bit, Del Curry. Steph uh, tries to hit him with the football pass, which is like the new thing, apparently, that people, they take the basketball. Uh, Frank Kaminsky does this as well. Kind of football passes the basketball pregame. Uh, Del was prepping for the game. The, the ball hits him. So what does Papa Bear do? He grabs the ball and splashes a 40-foot bank shot just to show his son that he still got it. The highlight of the night. Maybe it pissed stuff off. Thanks a lot, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so then, you need to recreate. Nah, I want a, you to recreate this in a in a in a, a video with with your kid. Uh, the kid hit you oh know hit him with hit you with the ball, and then you you splash a easy forty foot bank shot. No problem. In 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 loafers and in a, in a you know coat and tie. finely tailored suit. That was nice. That it, was impressive. It was nice, but I bet he was sweating after that. Well, the only be. thing we were mentioning is Eric Collins on the call. Now I don't know that they didn't they didn't film that or they didn't have him mic'd up at that time, but they need to go back and just you know loop him over. Del Curry, that would have been nice. Fun. There we we just did fun. it. Just put that. Just record. We'll, we'll get Captain Curry to take that and put it under. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, okay. So that was fun. That was a fun thing. We wanted to end on something fun. Because, listen, it's basketball. It's fun. We're having a good time. The Hornets just need to pull it together. That's it. 
Um, Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. We will be live tweeting this game coming up on Saturday against the Utah Jazz. Subscribe to us on iTunes while you're there. Give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. And let's, if you want to vent, if you just want to vent, I think uh, we got one. We got one from uh, uh, Aussie Steve. Let me pull yeah. this up. Let me pull this up before we go. Aussie Steve said, I thought we played really well tonight. Curry and Clay were lights out early and basically won them the game. Frank was tremendous. He has shown a lot of signs this season. That was his best pro game to date. I really like him getting more touches in the post. That's a great uh, point there, Steve. Um, Cliff likes to eventually get the rotation down to nine for the home stretch. Barring any trades, I'd like to see Frank play some backup five. That could get us down to Frank Marco's session, lay him off the bench. Uh, on another note, Kimba has started to look really tired these last few games. Well, he got a break. <laughs> that was the good news. He got a break against the Warriors. Hey, thanks. The, the self-proclaimed biggest Hornets fan in Australia, Aussie Steve. Always love to get emails from Aussie Steve. Send us your email, whether you want to look to the positive or rant. Um, send it to us, and we will read it here on the show. Thanks so much for listening. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm. Shark. Sure.